0: hi this is ellie fishman and welcome back to part four and i think this will be the final fourth part of the um where we're going with ct from 16 to 64 and beyond and that's appropriate then to have the last part talk about cardiac ct and i have a number of lectures on ctss that we've done over the last four or five months that have been on cardiac ct so i'll try not to uh, really repeat what i've said before but i'll try to make some highlights particularly Since we're speaking about visualization, and uh, again, we've spoken before about how cardiac CT truly has gone from 4 to 16 to 64, and now multi-detector or multi-source CT. So, we recognize that we've gone from a possibility to a study that now is routinely done in clinical practice. We recognize how well we see the heart using a range of rendering techniques, and here's just a... example of volume rendering showing you the left main coronary and LED and a little bit of the right on the second image what I want to show you and something to think about is one of the things most of us do not use are some of the tools that relate to lighting and enhancement of detail on 3d imaging and what I mean by that is I'm going to show you the same image so here's a set of images of the heart and let's look at the second image the image on your right and what I'm gonna do is I'm showing you the LED in circumflex and I'm showing you the uh, the ramus intermedius but I'm simply gonna change the lighting and look what happens when I change the lighting model look how you accentuate the difference in the vessel and its 3d visualization and I'll change it again two more times and you can see depending on the lighting model we see things better Or not as well and the lighting model will change different features in the image it will not make them incorrect that's not what i mean but it'll change how well we see them and think about just the root of the aorta versus the coronary arteries as i go to another set of images again reflection is changing the whole rendering is changing and we're not redoing the patient or re-scanning but look how nice in this image the uh, patient's coronaries look. So, again, here's four images, the exact same data set, simply changing the lighting model. Look how different they look. So, you really want to think about the things we can do by changing opacity, for example, by changing the lighting model. It's also important to recognize, as we've spoken before, that when you do any type of rendering, if you don't do it well, you can create all sorts of issues. Again, the variability between users is something that's not spoken about all that frequently. Here's a patient for example with a left corner the LAD looks perfectly normal and is perfectly normal but look what happens if I render it a little bit incorrectly look at that significant stenosis you can see in the vessel on your right. So it's how I show the information. So if I gave you the image on the right you might say there's a significant stenosis and yes you can say this looks artifactual on that image but I can give you varying degrees of that. Here's four sets of images looking at the same vessel looking at that same potential stenosis. So again very important. It's also important to recognize something we've commented on before that you need to look at things in multiple perspectives. So if you want to look at the right coronary look at those axials, it's critical. Look at the 3D Look at it with a grayscale display from anterior or inferior, or look at it, again, with a color map. Then use your curved planar reconstructions. Use the computer center line for tracking the vessel. Lay that vessel out. Rotate that right coronary artery. Really get stupendous visualizations, because only by looking at all of the images you recognize pathology in many cases and it helps prevent overcalling disease because if there is a stenosis present on one view it should be present on multiple views we recognize the importance of the right visualization in this case where the right coronary comes off the LAD the importance of being able to visualize that by selecting a range of visualizations by interacting with the data sets to get the perfect visualization where you see the right coronary coming off the left cusp. And again, it's a very important visualization concept. We need to be very, very careful about these techniques. And I'm just showing you many images Not that I need to show you more images, but just to give you a feel of how important it is to get the right plane and perspective and the critical nature of visualization. And we understand this in cases of aberrant anatomy. We understand this in cases of soft plaque, where is this really plaque and is it a 50% stenosis? And so you wanna look at things in cross section. You wanna look at things in different longitudinal planes again you want to make sure that when you're doing the rendering of the data set the rendering is true to the real data set and the only way you can be definitive in this example is recognizing through multiple renderings that the calcified plaque is eccentric there's positive remodeling And yes, there's calcified plaque, but there is no evidence of stenosis of node present because the calcification's in the periphery, and it's not causing an issue. So again, from that view or from this view, that's what we're showing you in multiple perspectives. You need to recognize that. You need to recognize, in this case, the positive remodeling with focal dilatation of the patient's right coronary artery, and you need to remember how easy it is to see that with a curved or reconstruction we were able to look very carefully at the vessel as in this case here and show you that focal dilatation with remodeling of the vessel and then rotating along the center line we spoke about visualization tools and again I showed you some very nice lighting models and one could say that that maybe is very sophisticated 3D processing but things like curved planar reconstructions are not that sophisticated everybody has them, everybody can do them and if you're looking at the stent in the right coronary you want to not look at those 3Ds per se alone but look at the uh, central line curved planar reconstructions where you're really able to go inside the vessel and really visualize the vessel in its entirety as in this example. I also speak about visualizations when we look at things like bypass graphs, the ability to see the anastomosis off the ascending aorta, and whether it's to the right coronary circulation or the LAD circulation, the ability to visualize these indeed become very critical. And again, just like we mentioned on prior studies, the importance of selecting the right phase because motion is so important. I've given talks before also on CTS about 4D imaging, and I mentioned that at least in the context of this talk, that one of the big gains I do see going forward is the use of motion across a range of possibilities. So in this case, we see a closed aortic valve, and in this case, we go from a closed to an open aortic valve in this case we can see not just looking at the static images but we can look at the the motion we see the valve moving and here it's a normal valve and here we can see very nicely what happens when you look at disease valve when you have the presence of aortic stenosis so very very important not just seeing the imaging of this patient with a bicuspid valve but going beyond the bicuspid valve And looking at what that valve actually does in terms of function and we speak about that with native valves we speak about that when we go to aortic valve replacement surgery and you want to look at the graphs and yes you can see the aortic valve replacement closed and open but boy you could see it from above this percentage display but it is sure nicer when you look at it with motion no doubt about that and just one more example Showing you the motion, going from static imaging to looking at it in 3D with motion, then changing the rendering, going to MIP, and really getting what I would consider a ventriculogram, and then looking at that from a different perspective, and then literally stripping everything away, basically, but the valve. So, again, one of the things to think about as we look at progress, one of the things that progress gives us is this fourth dimension of imaging. And I think that's indeed going to become very critical. We also look at technology. Everyone's saying 64, 128, 256, 512, 1024. Soon we're going to have 20 48 detectors. Well, not quite. Also, it's not clear what the best technology is. One of the most exciting technologies is a simple one or relatively simple one. Why don't we use two tubes? Forget more detectors. What about looking at multiple tubes or multiple banks of detectors and that's really what dual source technology is and we'll speak about that on a different talk in more detail but let me just give you the rundown a bit we're talking two x-ray tubes and two detector arrays that are mounted at 90 degrees apart one covering the full field of view and the other the central portion of view the ability and importance of this is the fact that we can look very nicely at the patient not just at 160 to 180 milliseconds, but look at things at literally 83 milliseconds, which means, as you know, you don't need beta blockers for the most part for cardiac CT. And you can see on this next slide, in this nice schematic, basically going from a 165 millisecond resolution, going from that for a half scan, to where you go with a dual source, and you go to 100, not 165, but you go to half that, we go to 83 milliseconds so again this is the technology again you want to argue what technology is better will GE come up with better thinner detectors will GE have a flat panel I mean GE is a terrific company they can come out with some really nifty things and what's nice for all of us in radiology is that whether it's GE or Siemens those companies working and competing the best of both worlds really is what uh, radiologists get out of that competition. So I think it's very exciting. But again, there's many ways to think of CT. And I think the one thing or one of the many things that dual source does show us, and we could talk about some of the advantages with dual energy, but again, that's another day. But one of the things to recognize is the ability to have different MASs, multiple features, again, significant possibilities telling us that things are changing in CT and simply throwing a bunch more detectors is not really the only answer. Just to be complete, I will comment that with dual source, uh, in terms of cardiac imaging, there's no need for beta blockers in most patients. You can do the heart rates into the hundreds. We do a lot of pediatric patients. It's really ideal in the ER setting. If you look at image quality, here's an example, heart rate in the 80s, seeing the LAD and seeing the RCA very nicely and a couple other perspectives of that and taking that set of images into 3D, looking at the uh, bifurcation of the uh, left main coronary artery. And you can see this is a patient without beta blockers and yet look how nicely we can get good visualization of the coronary arteries. So this is something that's very exciting, there's literature, there's a couple different articles published here a couple references so again it's very important to consider ct going from 16 to 64 does not mean 64 is the end of the line 64 is just a step to everything new i think what's very exciting is that we're really going beyond what we're able to do 64 slice ct really changes everything it changes our scan protocols, it changes our clinical applications, it changes how we look at data, how we interact with referring physicians, it changes everything and it's what Andy Grove would call a disruptive technology. And disruptive technology means it's not a 5% change, it's a massive change where you need massive adjustments and the successful radiology groups will adjust to this new technology. They will not just simply react to the technology but they will embrace it. There are many things that needs to change. I mean, one is integration of systems. You need the future of CT not just to be more detectors but seamless integration of data acquisition systems with software for optimal visualization We're looking at all sorts of packages, lung care and oncology packages and better cardiac analysis packages and function packages and dual energy packages and perfusion packages. There are packages for everything, but they need to be good and they need to be easy to use. We need to be able to get to these packages and get to our information all the time from anywhere and from anywhere. Thin client servers are definitely going to be the way things are going. The thin client, we use, something called web space, allows me to have total control of my images. The future is things to be on the web, and regardless of the manufacturer, I think everybody is going in that direction. It's important to realize in radiology, we always speak about how we're in the information business. We're not in the business of moving images from point A to point B. We're moving information. There was an article in radiology this past December by Boone, and uh, him and I were the ones who gave that first talk on 16 to 64, and he made the comment that the increase in clinical applications and image quality that extreme MDCT provides can lead to a sea of change in disease assessment and diagnostic medicine, but it would require changes in how we do things. And again, that's something I 100% agree with. There's so many questions with new technologies. If you take cardiac, how do I interpret a cardiac CT? How good is it in truth in clinical practice? What's its role in the ER setting? What's its role compared to nuclear studies or PET perfusion What is gonna happen? What about virtual colonoscopy? Is it ready for prime time? And if it is, how do I do it? How do I read it? How do I build it in my practice? There are so many questions. We pick up incidental findings. Well, how do I evaluate an incidental adrenal mass? And what do I do with a one centimeter cystic pancreatic lesion that we seem to find every day? And what about the four millimeter lung nodule that everyone seems to have? We see so much. The question is not what we see. But how we interpret and how we manage there's a great quote to describe the changes in radiology paul simon once upon a time there was an ocean his latest album something unstoppable set into motion everything's different but nothing has changed ct has been around 30 years that has not changed and i would guess it'll be around 30 more but the changes of ct Are something that's unstoppable we need to adjust to those changes we need to embrace those changes and the future of imaging relies on really adapting to those changes and with that I hope you like this four-part series and we'll see you next time thanks a lot